Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coach to coach and around the world. Well, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR. And now, all about wine is on. Here's Ron. Thank you, thank you. Dark out there tonight for him, eh? Trying to see in the dark. But they're doing good. Find this channel. Yeah, welcome to the show. And, uh, if you'd like to chat with us, uh, you can go to our Facebook page right now and uh, click on the live video feed that's going on and uh, type your question or comment. And, you know, I'll, I'll break in and I'll say, hey, give you a shout out. Whatever. Or answer your question. If you get to want to answer your question. So go ahead and chat with us there. Join us. Mm-hmm. Or if you're not listening right now live, don't because we won't answer. That's true. <laughs> if you're looking for a live, send send a, a private message on that page if you're looking for in between shows. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> yeah, you know. But we are live right now on Facebook. We are live right now on Blog Talk Radio and we are going to talk about wine. It is Thursday, November fourteenth, twenty nineteen at seven oh two Eastern. So uh, that's well, depending on what time zone you're in, that's what is live right now. So, all right. Um, welcome. Hope everyone is staying warm wherever you are, except in Florida. We're still pretty warm down here, so we don't have to worry about it. But the rest of the country, what, they said a uh, 100 weather temperatures were broken over the last couple of three days. Oh, my wow. gosh. I mean, yeah, it it. Was the it was a Siberian cold snap? It came over from Siberia across top of the country and our top of the continent and down into the United States, Canada, and the United States. So some bitter, bitter cold out there. So stay if that's warm what it does to us, if that's what it does to us, I'd hate to be in Siberia. Yeah, yeah, really, you really, I mean, you know, talking about cold. Oh, man, I just, oh, well. Oh, so stay warm out there. Oh, I was going to punch in. I keep forgetting it. Now I'm thinking of it. If I don't say something now, then I will forget it. A fortnight. Is that two weeks? You know, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> yeah, look I keep forgetting to punch it in, and, and I, I figured, you know, I just thought of it. And I figured you're good at finding oh. that stuff. So. Here it is. A Fortnite yeah. is an online video game developed by Epic. <laughs> so I was way off. It's not two weeks at all. <laughs> nothing to do with time. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing to do with time. 
it's like a, yes, it's a, it's a, uh, um, I guess it's a British term, uh, a period of two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That's oh. what I thought. Epic Games. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, I saw some people that and I, and I supposed to see them in a couple weeks. I said, I'll see you in a fortnight. And we both looked at each other and I said, that is two weeks, isn't it? And she said, I don't know. I said, well, with our electronics now, we can find out. And she said, well, that's what I'm going to do as soon as you walk out the door. Go look it up. <laughs> yeah, so, but, uh, you told them you told them you'd see them in a fortnight. Did they ask you what your, your player name was or anything? No, 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 white man. I, I use that for everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, Fortnite is a online video game. All right. I'll have to tell her that it's an online video game. I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of Fortnite, in a fortnight we will not be on the program because of Thanksgiving. So throw that out right now, so I can use the word Fortnite in a sentence. In a fortnight, we will not be on the show. Um, what's coming up this week? Today, National Pickle Day and National Spicy Guacamole Day. Tomorrow, National Clean Out Your Refrigerator Day. All right. So pull that stuff out, open a bottle of wine, and just start enjoying wine with whatever you have in the fridge. Did anybody have Scrapple last Saturday on National Scrapple Day? Uh, that was last Saturday. That still fascinates me. Coming up. Saturday, National Fast Food Day. All right. So anything you want to have, take it home. Uh, KFC, McDonald's, uh, I guess Pizza Hut, Harvey's, Burger King, they're all fast food. In fact, a lot of places every day you get sandwich shops and all that, all fast food. There is always a wine you can enjoy with one of those. Sunday, National Homemade Bread Day. Oh, if you know how to do it, you can go down the store and buy yourself a loaf of, of bread and just put it in the oven and it pretty much bakes itself. But that's always good, though. And Sunday is also National Baklava Day, which is a very good Greek pastry. Monday, National Chocolate Cupcake Day. And there's some there's some good wines you can have with chocolate cupcake. And Monday is also National Vichyshuvu Day, which is a cold soup. I probably pronounced that wrong. Vichyshuvu. Thank you. My engineer just corrected me from the background here. Vichyshuvu. I knew it was something like that. That's Monday's Tuesday, National Carbonated Beverage with Caffeine Day. Well, that's pretty specific. You know, which is almost all of them. Don't get the no caffeine ones, which are marked on there. Wednesday, National Peanut Butter Fudge Day. Peanut Butter Fudge and let's see, what wine would go with that? I don't know. Maybe a, the Chenin Blanc I'm having right now. And here I just brought in a Chenin Blanc. This is Endaba Chenin Blanc. Oh, yes, next. Thursday, week from today is National Gingerbread Cookie Day. And for those of you who smoke, next Thursday is National or is the Great American Smokeout Day. So keep that in mind. If you're smoking, quit. Start on the 21st November, Great American Smokeout Day. And uh, there's all sorts of support and everything out there for you. So if you need it, quit smoking. 
But, you know, it's a wise thing to do anyway. Indaba, I-N-D-A-B-A, Indaba. Uh, it's a Shannon uh, Block 2017, sustainably grown, superbly crafted. This is from, I have no idea, Cape Classics, South Africa. I had one of these earlier, too. This is someone we bought at the tasting went to a couple months ago. It says, Chenin Blanc 2017, sustainably grown, superbly crafted, drawn from the world's oldest soils. And double wines are crafted by family farmers who have perfected their art over generations. These are real wines made by real people, as opposed to fake wines and robots. Andaba is also the cornerstone of a philanthropic movement to bring early childhood education to those most in need in the Cape Winelands communities. To learn more, please visit www.indabawines.com. I-N-D-A-B-A. Or Indaba. Indaba. It is Western Cape, South Africa. 13% alcohol by volume, and it's got the warning on it and everything else like they're supposed to have on wines here. I tasted this there. Let me give it a little sip now, so excuse me. Oh, it's got a good aroma to it. It's got a little bit of... Hmm, I don't know. I can't place that. I know that. I don't know. What are you smelling that? I'm asking my engineer. Pear. Pear? Very good. That's what it was. A little pear aroma coming out on it. Oh, nice balance. Very nice balance. Acid is... is Balanced very well with the flavors. It is fruity, uh, a little citrusy taste to it. A uh, different pear undertones. It is. I'm, I'm picking up some green grape in it too, like the type that you go down the store and pop into your mouth. I'm getting that in the taste a little bit there too. Very nice, very nice wine. I don't think this is organic. I think they would have said so, but it is sustainably grown, which basically is certified. Yeah, integrity and sustainability certified, it says on the neck band. It is their organic certification, I believe. It is a screw cap, which good for them. It is uh, nice. It, it really is. I let me see. I think I might be able to tell you how much that costs. Here, but I think I still have. I keep having a wine that we got at the store there, and I keep saying I'm going to find out so I can tell everybody how much these things cost. And then I keep forgetting, but I've got it here. Okay, in Dombasian Blanc, eight ninety nine. Good deal. All right, so eight ninety nine.
worth the effort to try to find one if you are out and about in Daba, some South Africa. Check in your, obviously, your South African sections of your liquor store. Okay, got lots of stuff to talk to you about today. Uh, the, uh, let me put this away before I forget. The fires, Kincaid Fire. I gave you websites. I put websites up on Facebook page, all about one Facebook page, uh, one for California and one for uh, West Coast Travel Facts. The one on West Coast Travel Facts, if you scroll down to the bottom of the opening page, you will find a place that Cal Fire Current Wildfire Information. Click on that, and it is very full. It is by the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. It has all sorts of information on there about the wildfires and what's going on all that. There is one wildfire happening right now. California is pretty much empty with wildfires, but there is one right now. It is 98% contained, so it's pretty much over. It's up in Tahoma County, um, Collier Springs Road and Regland Road, Ridge Road, southwest of Red Bluff, and Red Bluff's up by the Redwood trees. It started on the 3rd and last updated today, and so it's almost over, but that's the only one there. But the site has all sorts of different things on it. It tells you the fires that are going on right now. It tells you the fires that have happened. You can click on what the fires are doing, how many there are, which is frightening, absolutely frightening to find out the number of fires that are that burning California. You can click on incidents, and that tells you the number of fires. 2019, uh, the fires are all 100% contained, except the one I just told you about, 98% contained. The list also has the name of the fire, the start date, the counties it locates, the acres, and if it is contained or not. Everything is 100% contained, like I just said, except for the, the one last one I just mentioned. The Oh, where is it? Kincaid Fire, the, the big one. That is uh, located, was located, John Kincaid Road and Burn Mountain Road. That's why it was called the Kincaid Fire. It is not the... Sonoma Wine Country Fire. It is the Kincaid Fire. And it was active for 13 days, but it burned 77,758 acres. Wow. You can also click on maps. It shows you maps. You can get it big and all that. It's a very, very comprehensive site for the fires in California. And it can also show you where the fires work and the wine regions around it and stuff like that. So if you're looking for information on the fires, and this is going to be my go-to map, I, I guarantee you for fires in California, this is just really a, a great source for California fires. So 
if you are looking for information on fires in California, click on that westcoasttravelfacts.org and go to the Cal Fire section at the bottom. I'll tell you all of that. So, speaking of the fire, though, I there's got some information here if I can find it and pull it up. Yeah, here we go. I've got some information on Cal Fire. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. It's over. They've got it contained. But there's a few things here I do want to mention about the fire and what's going on there. And a few things about the aftermath. That sounds like uh, Jabba the Hutt was swallowing something. Um, at uh, Sonoma Endures, at, uh, this is a little thing that is out of the Wine Spectator magazine, uh, latest edition. It's And without going into it uh, a whole lot, but it's Said that Sonoma County is has enduring the uh, farmers, fishermen, and ranchers who live there for generations have been tested with uh, everything from prohibition to drought to wildfires to blackouts to floods, and the Kincaid fire is the latest, but they have survived that and they've survived the others. It is something that they're constantly battling all that. They said the best thing to do look for Sonoma wines. The economy is hurting because people aren't visiting. Normally, 7.5 million visitors each year. The wine industry employs 10% of the county's workforce and 20% working for local shops and restaurants who serve the visitors. So the winery business is big there, and they need you to not be scared of going there. And so if you do have plans to visit, then do visit. It is okay. I speak firsthand here because whenever there's a hurricane that goes through Florida, when the oil spill hit in 2010, everybody quit going to Florida because Florida was full of oil and the beaches and everything. We weren't. Okay. Uh, The tourists of that year really dropped and people were going to Carolinas and over to Texas and stuff like that instead of coming to Florida. We felt the effects of it in lots of areas. So same thing with there. They're doing fine. Everything's okay. And they just need everyone out there to understand that and realize that and show up because there's a, uh, there's a good wine industry out there. Uh, Let's see. There was another thing about the fires here. I went to read. Well, that was saying it's fully contained, so I'm not going to talk about that. Okay, so um, a couple other things I will get to about that. But first thing I'm going to talk about is something that's really, really cool. I have talked about AVAs, American Viticultural Areas. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with AVAs, let me do a quick tutorial, if you will, here on AVAs. AVA is an American viticultural area. It is designated and approved by the TTB, which is the uh, Tax and Trade Bureau. They are the ones that 
oversee the wine, spirits, and beer industry in this country. They're the ones that mix the rules and regulations and all that stuff. Whenever we, everybody, I say we, everyone in the wine, spirits, and beer business make a new label, it has to be approved by TTB. There are certain taboos that, you know, you've got, you can't do, although they are a little bit more liberal than they used to be. They are still certain things you can't do and certain, certain countries you can't name. You can't call a, a champagne a champagne. You have to call it sparkling wine, different things like this. So you understand what I'm saying on TTB rules. This. If you're curious about some of the rules and regulations, you can always go to ttb.gov. Then click on the wine section, and there's, I don't know, like 300 pages or more of information on wine. Uh, the talks about grapes that are approved in this country, which is some you've probably never heard of and all that. But these are grapes that are approved and, oh, just a bunch of stuff. You know, just all sorts of things. Interesting read. And if you've got yourself an afternoon to kill, that's a great place to go and kill it because it's very informative. But... They came out with a new map, which I am thrilled to see. TTB's new map is an AVA Explorer, map explorer. Now, American Viticulture Areas, okay. Uh, American Viticulture Areas is an area that is unique to growing grapes. It is requested it is applied to the TTB from an area. They have to establish the boundaries, have to establish where they are and what they're doing and all that stuff. And they have to show what they're growing and they have to show why they're unique and different things like this. Minimum, I think, I I don't want to say because I'm not sure. There's a minimum acreage. There's no real maximum. There are some enormous ones around the country. But they're all over the place. There's AVAs all over. California has lots and lots of AVAs. There are AVAs that overlap AVAs. There are new ones popping up all the time, new ones that are trying to be approved. When you request a new AVA from TTB, it has to go through a period where they notify people and it is a public uh, period that you can comment on and if you have an objection or anything like that. So usually they, after the, the public notification, there's usually not much of a problem with it and all that. But ABAs, some people look for AVAs. AVAs overlap. There are overlapping AVAs. There's AVAs within AVAs. There's all sorts of American viticulture areas. They have a new map out, which is phenomenal. I just discovered it, and it is... I I will put the link on the website, uh, on the Facebook page for that. After the show, I'll I'll pop in the, the... the website there. It's long. I just tell you, go to ttb.gov slash wine slash AVA dash map dash explore 
question mark, UTM, underlying source. I mean, it goes on and on and on. It's it's off the page here. I don't know why it's so, but, yeah, that's the way it is. But if you just go to AVA slash map slash explorer on the TTV site, you'll probably find it. It lists everything. Uh, it has a, the front page has a map and it says the map explorer has information about each AVA, including its state and county, when it was established, what other AVAs it contains or is within, and a link to its codified official boundary description. You can even plot an address on the map explorer to see if that location is within an AVA. Yay. I mean, what a great interactive map. It also says, please note that some features may not display correctly in Internet Explorer. For better viewing experience, use an alternate browser such as Chrome or Firefox. I need to load Firefox again. I like that. I keep using it. Most recent AVAs, proposed AVAs, Alasos Canyon, Candy Mountain, Laurelwood District, Royal Slope, uh, Tolleton Hills, West Sonoma Coast, and Yakima Valley Expansion. These are all new AVAs that are proposed right now. Uh, new establishment, Eastern Connecticut Highlands. So you can keep up on this. You can see if there's one in your area and all of that. Fantastic map. I can't say enough about it. And you can also see how your AVAs AVAs are in your area. See if you have one in your area and all sorts of goody stuff like that. Um, let's see, for example, let me pull up one here. Well, oh, I got to hit that first. Got to hit the start exploring. You won't let you explore unless you tell it you want to start exploring. Uh, and then you go explore the map. And. My computer's slow, you know that. Though. Then it gives the United States map, and then it shows the AVAs all over the map. And let me see. Then you click on one, and it pops it up for you. And from that, let's see. Let's do this one here. I'm, I'm looking for a specific one. And I am not finding it. Let's see if it's this one. Uh, no, it's not that. It has to be this one then. Uh, no, maybe not either. Um, I'm looking for one of the oldest ones here. Uh, Ozark Mountain. This is in Missouri. Overlapping AVAs. It has a place established July 1st, 1986. It uh, tells you the overlapping AVAs. There's none within it, but it uh, uh, it's not within a particular AVA, but it contains the Altus, Arkansas Mountain, Herman, and Ozark Highlands AVA. It doesn't partially overlap anything, but it just, you know, this is just a, a lot of wonderful information on this map and all that. So, and I keep trying to get people to be familiar with AVAs. So every time I was at the winery, I would always ask how many people here know what an AVA is. 
and nobody did. It was like a secret, which, oh, that's good. It's a little laughing there. Uh, the ADA people are familiar with is Napa, Sonoma, but they didn't realize that there was ABAs all over the country and all that, but not knowing that it was even called an American Viticulture Area. So I know I keep going on about this site. Check it out. I'll put a link on the site and you can check it out yourself. I've already got this saved because it is such a great site. All right. So let's, uh, let's look at something else here. That's that where I wanted on that. That's Spotted wing lantern fly. I was going to mention that again. I saw a small article in, I can't remember where I saw it, but talking about invasive bugs and oh, it was how insects are dying, but it said that the invasive species are overpowering and the one that they mentioned was the spotted lanternfly. Uh, it's from Southeast Asia. It was first discovered in Pennsylvania in 2014. It's a threat to tree fruit Timber, hops, and grapes, which is uh, that supplies Pennsylvania's wine industry. Uh, there's no natural enemies in the United States. In 14 counties in Pennsylvania and eight in New Jersey under quarantines because of it. It is a nasty bug. It is spreading, it is starting to uh, get in areas. They said that the, there are. A lot of them around. The adults may be a little bit harder to kill because they're flying. Uh, It's the nymphs and smaller ones are very destructive. There are uh, they they are so prolific. You can see them crawling up trees and stuff like this, just covering the whole trunk and everything. It's just it's scary how bad they are around the area. And they will kill a vineyard. They can eat all the plants I just mentioned. And they don't have anything that's going to destroy them. So they're having a great time living here in the United States. It's a plant hopper uh, native to China, India, and Vietnam. And it probably arrived, they're saying, on a shipment from China on stones. And they have spread to parts of Delaware and New Jersey and Virginia that they found. Now, the there is a let me get out of this, move to the next one that I want to pull up here. There is a website that I found that shows a map of the uh, oops, wrong Map of the spattern, a spotted lanternfly establishment or establishment. Yeah, that's what they're saying on the map too. And it is just unbelievable. It is all over southern Australia, areas of South Africa, and around the areas where there is grapevines, obviously, 
it has a bunch of Argentina and high concentrations in Argentina, a little bit in Chile, China, Japan, all through Europe, and in the United States with high infestations going from New York over to the Midwest and along the East Coast a bit. It's not down in Florida, but we have enough problems with the glass zooming sharpshooter. I have to worry about the spotted lanternfly. But this is a serious problem around the world, it looks like, and there's no control. There's nothing that can stop this from taking over. Uh, spread originally from China to Korea, Japan, and uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Virginia, and Delaware. They found the insect. Uh, it not only includes grapevines, but also almonds, apples, blueberries, cherries, peaches, grapes, and hops, as well as hardwood trees such as oak, walnut, and poplar, among others. So, I, I think I first mentioned it a year or so ago about the problem that it's going to arise, and it is. It is giving more and more problem. I'll keep you posted. This is the most important factor in predicting its established areas is the mean temperature of the driest quarter of the year. It cannot be too hot or too cold. About zero degrees Celsius plus or minus seven degrees. Uh, that's a temperature range between 19 degrees and 45 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's, yeah, I mean, 19 degrees in most areas, it'll survive that, except for this cold front that went through. Maybe it'll kill a lot of it. So we can, it probably needs to sustain that temperature for a period of time, though. But this. Spotted lanternfly. It is uh, a uh, another introduced species into the United States that we need to be concerned. All right. Now, uh, a couple of quick things here. Also, let's see, where is it? Washington State has now issued over 1,000 active winery license. 1,000 active winery license. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the wine industry used to make them also by surpassing 1,000 active license, according to the State Liquor and Cannabis Board. Huh, they combined the two. For humble beginnings, the Washington wine industry now contributes more than $7 billion to the state's economy and generates roughly $2.4 billion in revenue. In the early 1980s, there were only 20 wineries in the state. That grew to 74 by 2000, and it has been growing steadily since then. So in the last 20 years or so, it has grown. The climate for growing grapes is perfect. And it doesn't say it here, but I think the warming is moving north, so that's helping a little bit. Uh, as of October 2019, last month, there are, it's been reported that there are 1,010 active winery license, which, you know, it doesn't always mean that they're practicing. It could be that they're just starting or they haven't closed or something. Now, 
I don't know if Washington, if you can work more than one winery off of a license. A lot of states, you can do that. If a license, if you have a license, you can open up another branch or something off the same license or uh, some places up to three and things. So that's the case. And you're looking at a lot more than just one winery per license. That's a nice shin walk. I just had a sip there and I just reminded again how nice that shin walk is. Vineyard acreage in Washington also continues to grow. 20 years ago, there were four American viticulture areas, AVAs. There you go. See, now you know what I'm talking about. Producing 24,000 acres of wine grapes and 70 tons of grapes. Today, there are more than 59,000 acres of vineyards across 14 AVAs. So they went from four to 14 that produced 260,000 tons of grapes last year. So the Washington growth is staggering. I think it's one of the fastest growing in the nation, too. I, if I read something somewhere about it, uh, Washington State Wines and tells about that on that. So Washington is, is boosted. It's Italian, uh, it's it's uh, wine tremendously. The reason I said Italian is the next article is on Italian. Italian police has seized Prosecco flavor Pringles. I'm not making this up, people. I'm not making this up. Hundreds of packets of Prosecco flavored Pringles crisps, uh, crisp or chips have been seized by the anti-fraud police in northern Italy. They, let me see what this says. Now, Prosecco, for those of you who are not aware, is the Italian champagne, Italian sparkling wine. It's called Prosecco. And uh, you can get it at the store, and if you're not familiar with it, buy some. It's good, and it's a lot cheaper than champagne. Packets of Prosecco chips under the Pringles brand were seized from shops belonging to a supermarket chain in the Veneto region. Police from an anti-fraud unit that deals specifically with foods seized hundreds of packs of the chips over the alleged misuse of the word Prosecco, which is protected under Italian and European Union law. That's why nobody can call it Prosecco. It's one of those protected names. The ministry said that the snacks, which claimed to contain Prosecco flavoring, had used the name of the popular sparkling wine without approval from Prosecco Appalachian authorities. The question is, would they have given it if the Pringles went and said, hey, I want to make a chip and call it Prosecco and flavor it. I wonder if they would have given it. I doubt it. The president of uh, Venita, uh, Lucia Zia, posted a photo of Prosecco and pink peppercorn uh, pack of Pringles on his Facebook page on Tuesday, overlaid with the word NO in capital letters and in red. 
he said we can no longer tolerate that a protected name be used without authorization. But would they have authorized? The agricultural ministry said it believed the packets seized had been bought from a Dutch company. Did not name the Venetian supermarket chain. I don't think it would have made a difference. People might have went there and just see if they can find old ones. A spokesperson for the Pringles brand said in a statement reported by several media outlets that the Prosecco and pink peppercorn flavor was produced as a limited edition ahead of Christmas in 2018. Oh, so they've been around for a while, and so they must have already sold a whole bunch of them if it was Christmas 2018. The statement also said that Prosecco DOC, or the designated area, was used as an ingredient and that all DOC guidelines and European regulations were followed. But the brand added that, quote, we have no plans to produce this variant in the future, end quote. So if you haven't already got your pack of Prosecco and pink peppercorn chips from the um, – uh, uh, Pringles. Yeah, I couldn't think of the name there. From Pringles, then it's too late. They're not going to do any more. So, uh, Prosecco and peppercorn flavored chips. That sort of sounds interesting. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, and that's done. Let's go to the next one here. And look at this. This is where is it? Oh, smoke exposure. I just talked about all the fires in California, but smoke exposure, smoke taint. Wildfires have became an annual summer ritual in California. And the numbers are increasing. In 2017, now this is staggering, and you can see this number on that fireside. In 2017, there were 71,499 wildfires compared to 65,575 wildfires in the same period in 2016. This is according to the National Interagency Fire Center. They've also became very costly. The insurance claims from the Camp Hill and Wolseley fires in California in November 2018 has topped $12 billion. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, but when they burn down entire towns, you can expect it to be that high. As the fires have increased, so have the number of vineyards and vintages is affected by smoke. And there was an expo in North Coast Wine Industry Expo called Smoke Taint, a new perspective on the challenges and consistencies in treatments. They said that there is a company, Contech, C-O-N-E, Contech, that is uh, 
built on removing alcohol from wine for a number of producers, but over the past decades has been focusing on removing smoke taint from wines. And they are making progress. Uh, there are a lot of people trying to react to the fact that the smoke taint. There, I've read something to you in the past where there is contracts. A lot of vineyards have contract. You can be just a grape grower. You don't have to be a winery. It happens a lot. Though. There it sounds like Chabot Hunt. Um, you can be a wine grower. You don't have to be a winery. You can plant your vineyard. You can tend it, take care of it, turn out beautiful, wonderful grapes, and then sell them to other wineries. And it happens a lot when you hear the numbers like I just read of Washington and the number of vineyards and the number of tons of grapes put out. A lot of those are sold to other wineries and even to other places around the country. California produces a lot of grapes and a lot of wine that is sold throughout the country. There's very few wineries in this country. I shouldn't say very few. I should say there are a majority of wineries in this country that use California grapes, if for nothing else than to supplement or to add another layer to their inventory or something like that. And because of that, then you have just the growers. And a lot of these growers do have contracts. They get contracts with certain people. I have a vineyard here. I'm going to be growing Cabernet Sauvignon. I am in the Russian River area. These Cabernet Sauvignon grapes are going to be fantastic. I'm going to be selling them to you for so much per ton. We can do it on specs. We can do it, you know, once they are harvested, you can, you know, whatever. There's all sorts of different ways that they do this stuff. Last year, or year before last, I'm sorry, after the campfire, out in, what was it? I guess that was the Napa fire. After the campfire in Napa, a vineyard which had a contract, the person who was purchasing those wines said that they were not going to purchase them because they had smoke taint. Now, you cannot detect smoke taint until basically the wine is done. Once it has been fermented and everything, then you can detect smoke paint. At the time, there was absolutely no way to tell otherwise. But this purchaser refused to take the grapes because it was right in a smoky area, and they said that the grapes had smoke paint. And they sued, and I have no idea what's going on with that because I haven't seen a follow-up on that uh, for anything. But courts take forever. And I don't know what they did with grapes because they don't sit around forever waiting for the courts to do their thing. But I have not seen anything on the final on that. So I don't know what's going on with that suit. But a lot of areas do grow just for the grapes, not for winery. And the fires going through have really made a lot of people scared. Strategies have been used for reverse osmosis or ultrafiltration. 
and they found that they've lost the quality of the wines doing that. A good wine becomes bad. Uh, not bad in the fact that it's undrinkable, just not that it was a good wine anymore. So they are doing stuff to try to preserve the flavors, and Cone Tech has came up with ways to do it. The essence is back in the wine, and they, uh, it's going to be a high-quality wine again without the smoke in it. So a big step forward in that. I don't know the procedure or anything. There's a video here, but I'm not going to play the video I'm talking to you. They come up with a solution that's most gratifying. A vineyard's gone through a trouble of growing the grapes. A winemaker's gone through the trouble of pressing, fermenting, and turning into super premium wine, and then have it be ravaged and deemed worthless except for scrap alcohol by Mother Nature. Adding that back to me is supremely satisfying. And this is by uh, Wu, uh, what's his first name? I don't know, who is uh, the uh, scientist and the operator of contact. Oh, uh, there it is. Wu, Larry, Larry Wu. So they are finding solutions to smoke taint. And this is a good thing because obviously there's a lot of smoke in California and it's becoming a, an issue with almost every harvest. If they continue to do them before they get the fires going through, then they might be able to survive it. But it is always an issue. Okay. Uh, let me go to something else here. Oh, yes. This is something y'all might be interested in, particularly here. We know that red wine is age-worthy. Cabernet Sauvignon, you can, some of them are made to be put down, put away for years, uh, decades even. Some Zimbardos will age. Pinot Noir, um, Merlot, Melbach, uh, Chiantes, uh, Burgundy, a lot of these. Well, AIDS, but most all of these are red wines. And it's just understood that red wines are an ageable wine. But what makes a white wine age-worthy? That's an interesting question there. How do you seek out a white wine that you want to age? Well, it's, it's a tricky question. It's the balance of style, acidity, and concentration that determines whether white wine will improve and gain any complexity over time. Cool climate winemaking regions of the old world, like Germany's Moselle Valley, often produce very acidic whites in an off-dry style that will age. But, you know, you start drinking those now and you'll detect it. I like my tannins in my reds. I don't like uh, burn-your-throat acidic white wine, and some of them can be very, very acidic. Certain terrors do the work of preserving the wine's flavor. So how the grape ripens also results in the necessary high acidity and the concentration of the flavor. 
burgundy whites is a good example of that. Their dry whites do tend to age. Uh, the terror concentrates uh, naturally in the Chardonnay grapes, which gives it uh, capacity to gain complexity over time to become a, a much more phenomenal wine as opposed to the, the early ones. Other regions known that age wine, and you really need to buy by regions of all those specific vintages and stuff from different areas might make a difference. But if you're familiar with the regions that are going to age, if you want to age your white wines, then you should be familiar with the regions. Other regions that will age are Alsace and Bordeaux in France, the Clare Valley in Australia, different pockets of wine in California, Oregon, and Washington. And then, you know, again, I say pockets. You got to know what to look for, a high acid. And then increasingly, you're getting more and more ageable wines out of white wines out of Chile and Argentina. Spanish regions like Raja, uh, Montilla, Morales, and Juarez offer white wines that will uh, age for 10 or 20 years because they are made. Uh, the uh, certain ones from those regions are really made for aging once you start looking at it. But the varieties you should look for not just any white wine. The varieties you should look for uh, that will age best are both high in acid and high in, in extract. Now, that's the insoluble substances that wine in wine that lead to flavors. So if you get a very high acidic wine and great flavors coming out at you, that's going to be able to age your white wine. A good example, Riesling, Chardonnay, and Chenin Blanc. I'm drinking Asian block to me. These are excellent examples of wines that can give you great age worthiness. Now, this Chenin Blanc we're drinking tonight, very low in acid. This isn't going to age. This is the drink now. Smion from Australia can be added to that list also. And a couple of others, a Bureau from Rojo and Pedro Jimenez from Montella. Uh, it's the grapes in those that are going to cause them to age. And winemakers ferment on the leaves and protect the wine from oxygen, oxygenation and all this stuff, which is going to help in making it age-worthy. Now, when you store them, white wines are more sensitive to natural and artificial light than reds. So, if they're age-worthy wines, they're often packaged in colored glass. That's why traditionally you see Chardonnays in a green bottle because it is one of that has traditionally been age-worthy. And well, reach for a bottle that's behind the one stacked in the front of the shelf because it's going to be displayed. I... A rule I learned in California, which I always thought was a great rule when I lived out there many, many years ago when I first started getting involved with wine, I had a 
a person at a winery, and I'm not one to remember the names of everybody. Like, you know, I know some people are. I don't. Person at a winery told me, he said, when you go into liquor stores, when you go into shops and stuff like that, try to shop areas that have light bulbs, not fluorescent lights. He says, especially when you're looking at wines that you want to age, fluorescent lights tend to really tear up a wine. Light bulbs are much better, just so if you have light bulbs around as opposed to fluorescent, and it's getting harder and harder because they all have fluorescent, it seems. But if you're looking for wines that will age, you don't want the job already started for you with the fluorescent bulbs. You might ask the store managers how they got the wine, how it came into the shop. Was it set in, in one of their warehouses or a central distribution warehouse for a long period of time, or has it been transported and stored property? Uh, is it in a little bit cooler houses, or has it been setting in uh, under heat-controlled warehouse? And when you get home, protect it from humidity and keep them in a cool place. Again, a wine refrigerator. I've waxed poetic about wine refrigerators before. I will do so again if you don't have one. They are always great things to have. And uh, some of them, depending on how they were transported, stored, displayed at the store and house, can make a difference if it's going to age or not age. So keep that in mind. A simple rule of thumb is to open a bottle and nurse it for a few hours to see how it changes. If it improves from a pleasure standpoint after an hour or two, then you're in good shape. Every 20 minutes in the glass is worth about six months in the cellar. A good rule to live by. A very good rule to live by. Never go out and buy yourself a case of wine to store away. To age. Bad, bad, bad idea. Because if you take it immediately in, in your cooler or something and say, okay, I'm going to age this for five years or whatever you decide on, it may not be age worthy. So be sure, first thing, if you're looking at aging wines, go out and buy one, go home, drink it, open a bottle, and every hour, pour yourself another glass, and sip that and see how it tastes. Because, again, 20 minutes in the glass is worth about six months in the cellar. So that's going to show you what's going to happen. Best temperatures to store white wines, 55 degrees or higher, uh, but not too much higher. The higher the temperature, the faster it will speed up. Um, The ideal serving temperature for lighter body whites, 48 to 52 for your fuller-bodied whites, 52 to 55. I know that's picky. You're looking, you know, 48 to 55 degrees is only a spread of 7 degrees there. You're going, oh, my gosh, how can you tell the difference? It does make a difference, but it's not critical. Just don't let it get too much warmer than 55. Reds and whites, age and both at the same temperature, no higher than 55. And... You have a few bottles of a fruity, unoaked Sauvignon Blanc. Drink them. White wine should be enjoyed young, too. There's nothing wrong with them. There's some great 
wines. There are some fantastic light white wines out there that are fresh and nice and enjoyable. I point to this in Dabashin and Blanc I'm enjoying tonight. That's a good example. So be sure that you have some that you can enjoy now while you're waiting for the others to age. But white wines will age. Don't say, oh, only reds age. If you have yourself a wine refrigerator, again, you should. If you have yourself a wine refrigerator and look around for deals on it, different places have good deals on it, then you shouldn't just have reds in there. Put some whites in there also. Something that I didn't mention, too, is whites with a lot of residual sugar in it, a Tokay from Hungary, Sauternes from France, or a very sweet Riesling, a Trocken Oslesa, uh, Trocken Baron Oslesa, a uh, Baron Oslesa. Any of these ice wines will age well, too, because the sugar contents will hold them together and give you some real nice wines after they've aged. So those are something else that can be aged as your, your sweet whites. So, age them. Uh, they do taste better. You you do get a quality. It's like aged beef. So, uh, I don't know the difference in aged wines. Yeah, you do. Just like you can tell the difference in aged beef. If someone says, this is good, you know, aged beef, you go, oh, wow. And you start getting all excited about it. Well, you can do the same thing with wine. And there we go for the night. Wow. Uh, oh, I forgot that happened. Escape out of this? Okay. Uh, you had mentioned um, the Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board, so I went to their website, uh-huh. and I found out that a winery can have one tasting room on the premises of their winery and at two additional locations. No production uh-huh. or distribution is allowed. Uh, employees serving wine for on-premises consumption must have a mandatory alcohol server training permit or mast. Uh, then it says at the additional location, because this I don't understand, it says at the additional location, no production or distribution is allowed. But then further down, they say you may sell drinks by the glass of wine uh, of wine of your own production, sell bottles to go and offer food. At these additional locations. I guess if you're so, own, if you have two branches, then that would be your own branches. So you can, you can't produce it, but you can sell it out of there. But isn't that isn't that a form of distribution though? Yeah, because in the top it. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. But they probably they don't mean don't that you can't out of those storefronts, you probably cannot sell it to the grocery store down the street. It probably has to come out of your main main winery to sell it to them. Yes. There was additional um, uh, available uh, can a winery pour wine off their off-site, basically? And it says, uh, yes. Uh, Special occasions, beer, wine, specialty shops, private clubs, restaurants, and grocery stores, but all of those, the wine must be pre-sold to the licensee. That was one nah. thing. 
And well, then that was another. Hmm. Well, then pre-sale so, that means they can go to the main thing, say, okay, I want you know twenty cases of this wine, then go down to the branch, which is close, and yeah, get it there. And that, you know, I I don't know. That's why I would guess. Let me uh, let me call. They have SEC <laughs> contact three six zero. They're probably still there. What time is it? It's eight. Uh, five, five o'clock there. Uh, they might not. They don't list there. That's one thing they don't list on here is it's probably on the contact us page. Oh, here's the contact us page. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. that'd be interesting. Um, liquor and cannabis board. Okay. So that's how we found that. Um, but yeah, look, I know it's yeah. something. A lot of places you can do that. You can have branches off of your main license. Mm-hmm. You can open up uh, the stores there. I don't think they would count that, though, as you know, when I'm saying they have 1,010 wineries, licensed wineries, mm-hmm. that's probably under those licenses. So at 1,010 licensed wineries, technically, you can have three times that much if you open up two sh- branches each. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And and you can have a tasting room on premises and at two additional locations. So yeah, each each yeah. Lo- each of the locations, you know, like you said, up to uh, three times, um, you can still have a tasting room. So yeah, just so, you, you, so the license of one thousand plus could be three thousand different locations around the country. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Around the state, really. Yeah, around the state. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I guess we will. What time is it? Eight oh five. We'll go ahead and close this down. We will be here next Thursday, the twenty first of November, at seven p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so join us then uh, um, on Blog Talk Radio or on our Facebook uh, page at facebook.com forward slash All About Wine BTR, uh, like like this show is. And join us then at 7 p.m. Eastern time next uh, Thursday. And then that'll be the last show for November because uh, we will take uh, November 28th off. So uh, Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Thanksgiving Day. (laughs) Oh, and uh, (laughs) we'll see you all. Thank you uh, for listening and uh, following us. And and, uh, you can listen to All About Wine anytime on our Facebook or Blog Talk radio pages. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks and be safe. Have a good week. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Be safe. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. (laughs) 